Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley. And I'm Alicia. And we are Murder Nerds. Nerds. Okay, so just a friendly reminder. Um, we are still recording in my apartment. Um, we will be in the studio, we're hoping, uh, by the new year. So, um, just take that into consideration. Please don't hate us for our audio. We know it stinks. Yeah, we're working on it. Yes. I'm trying, okay? I'm trying really hard. This is, we're building the plane as we're flying it. So, but, um, we do have a great team behind us that knows what they're doing. And uh, just can't wait to work with Golden Image. And yeah, it's going to be way, way better. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so how was your week? Um, it was good. It was busy. Work's busy. I'm busy. Um, Getting ready for the holiday. Yeah, we're having our Christmas actually this Sunday. So it's and we didn't decide that until last Sunday. Oh. Yeah, so it's been kind of a chaotic week, but I don't have to cook anything. I'm just going to help my mom do a bunch of stuff. Hey. So that's pretty cool. All the stress making, off you. She's making like a hundred things. And of course she is. So. I see. <laughs> Overachiever. So yeah, what about you? Um, it, It's been a lazy week. Um, My kids are crazy. I think everybody was getting stir crazy because it's like the last little bit before winter break, but they're on winter break now. Other than the two youngest ones, they're just wild. Yes, when I called you, I called you twice this week to discuss some things about the podcast, and it it was all just screaming and crying in the background. It yeah, sounded like you zoo. were having a hell of a time. It's just, it's a constant zoo with all of them, all the time. Oh boy. Well, they'll go back to school soon. <laughs> <laughs> One day the two younger ones will go to school, yes. and I won't know what to do Sweet with myself. Or leave. <laughs> Okay, so this week it's your turn. I know my first turn. Your first (laughs) story. I'm very nervous. My face is turning red, and we're alone in this room. So (laughs) super nervous. Um, You're gonna do great. It's a terrible, terrible one, and there are some. um... Also, another disclaimer: I use paper. My notes are on my phone. Yes. I am very tactile. I need to touch things. Um, fellas. Anyway. Uh, so. (laughs) There may be some. You're going to hear my paper paper flapping. (laughs) Shuffling. Um, we're going to edit out as much as we can with our non-editing experience brains. So, and by we, I mean Alicia. (laughs) So, just a few, um, trigger warnings. There is, um, child murder involved in this case. Um, that's pretty much, I think, the only, like, trigger warning, I'm pretty sure. If I think of anything else, I'll mention it before I say it. That's the hallway. Oh. It's <laughs> like, what <laughs> Can't is shut that one off. Okay. Alrighty. So the case I'm that... <laughs> the case I'm doing this week is the case of the I-70 Strangler. So, this is not to be confused with the I-70 killer. Those Oh, there's two different ones. There's two, yes. So, and they are different. And the I-70 Strangler, there's, like, no information on. So, stay off I-70. 
Yes. Is the, yes. Is the moral of this whole story. And also, don't take back roads, so just stay home. Um, okay, so the I-70 killer is the one I am not doing. Okay. So I just wanted to give, like, a brief overview of that. Um, I-70 killer killed six people um, along I-70. They were all store clerks that worked at different stores along the highway. What? Yeah. So, um, it was only a one-month spree, too. Oh. Yes. And, and I, he killed six people a month? Yes. Yes. Five women and one man. And they even say that the one man that he killed, they think maybe he had mistaken him for a woman. So, his oh. M.O. was very specific. Like, you know, attractive young women along, you know, that worked at stores that were probably working alone. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, that's that. Um... <laughs> But I am doing the I-70 Strangler. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and name my sources first. I don't need to say that. No, it's okay. Anyway, um, my sources were the Indie Star. Um, I used multiple articles from the Indie Star. Um, I used IN.gov. There's like a history link in there. There was a lot of really good info on there. I used FBI.gov. I used Wikipedia. Duh. Um, the Noblesville Ledger, and then TalkMurderWithMe.com. Oh. Yes. My face is still red. (laughs) I'm still nervous. I can't tell. But I'm also always red. My face is so warm. Oh my god, (laughs) your face is on fire. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I'm ready. Sorry about the paper. Okay, so. So basically, um... The I-70 Strangler, he would choose young men and boys. So, um, he would go and troll, like, gay bars and popular hangouts, um, in a four-block radius of Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis. Um, he chose, like, prostitutes and, or, that's a bad word, right? We say sex workers. Sex workers. Sex workers, um, vagrants. Is that a bad word? I don't know, but it sounds it bad. It sounds really bad. It has bad connotations. Because I think that prostitute's not a bad word. It just has bad vibes behind it. Yeah. I think it's like borderline slur. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, he found most of his victims within that four block radius. Um, and he didn't really have, he didn't only go after, you know, sex workers and maybe homeless people who don't have, um, or homeless men who don't have family around. He also lured, you know, random victims that were just walking or um, riding their bikes, um, stuff like that. Anybody vulnerable. <clears throat> yeah, anybody alone and, I mean, just like opportunity, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So he would lure his victims into his car and then he would strangle them and then dump their bodies into ditches and rivers along I-70. So that's the difference between the strangler and the killer of I-70 is the killer found his victims on I-70 and the strangler dumped his victims on I-70 and strangled them, obviously. (laughs) So um, all victims were only partially clothed or completely naked when they were found. He was active for 11 years. Whoa. Yes, um, from 1980 to 1991. Um, Most of what I read points to that it was like a lone wolf like, one person. Um, but there's some theories. I think maybe it might have been two people. Oh. Possibly. It's it's kind of messy. This is really messy, actually. Okay. Um, I could not find a lot of information on the victims. They were young, gay men, usually. 
Um, it just, it wasn't, it was in the 80s and the 90s. It wasn't covered the way they covered the I-70 killer. There's so much information. I found when I was doing my research, all the research was about the I-70 killer. Even when I typed strangler. Yeah. And I could only find a few, like I really had to dig for things about the strangler. Well, and I could see how that would be easily... Because, I mean... Mixed up. Yeah. Well, yeah. every strangler is a killer. So yeah, like... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, they could have, I guess, named them different. and But they're, the weird thing is, is they're close in, in timing, too. Oh. So, when was the killer? Um, the I-70 killer was active from April 8th. 1992 to May 7th, 1992. Okay, so yeah. So it was 80s, during, 90s. it was right after, actually, um, the I-70 Strangler stopped, like we stopped finding victims. Um, <clears throat> okay, so, let's see. Um, I guess I'll dive into the victims yeah. now. Get right into it. Okay, the first body that was discovered um, that they linked uh, with the I-70 Strangler was Michael Petrie. Um, he was only 15 mm-hmm. when he was found um, June 16, 1980, in Hamilton County, Indiana. Um, he was a young pros... We'll cut that out. <laughs> uh, Michael Petrie was a young sex worker that frequented... Fre- frequented... <laughs> say it. Frequented. Frequented. Thank you. But I can't say... I can't <laughs> <reality>. <laughs> you said... <laughs> I kept saying, like, mor- morality, morality, and you're like, it's mortality. I said, you're very moral. You have morals. She said, I'm bad with morality. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, he frequented indie yeah. um, gay bars, gay hangouts, just, you know, um, supposed really, like, safe spaces because they were all in the same kind of community, but obviously dangerous places because that's what was being targeted by yeah. the strangler. Um, he was reported missing on June 7th, which would have been, yeah, nine days, uh, before they found his body. Um, witnesses say that he was seen just days later after he was reported missing in the passenger seat with an unknown person in like an unknown car. So, um, he was found naked just nine days after the report was filed um, toxicology found no alcohol or drugs in his system, so he wasn't drugged drugs. or hammered or anything like that. It was just, he was clean. Ugh. Um, yeah. So, and again, that's all I could find. I even did, I, I tried to do, every time I wrote, like, my little overview, I tried to find, like, I wanted to give, like, a little, you know, like, oh, went to this school, was born on this day. Um, liked to play these sports. I could not Nothing find about them at all. No, not, not uh, any of them. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So let's see. I did find birthdays on a couple of them, but I didn't want to put it in because I didn't find it on anybody else. Yeah. So, well, and if you just know their age, I mean, I feel like that's enough. I can't, I have nothing to throw at her. <laughs> no! <laughs> Stop it. Okay. Um, the second uh, victim of the I 70 Strangler is Maurice Taylor. Um, Maurice Taylor was 23 when he was murdered. He was found shirtless July 1982. He was also in Hamilton County when he was found. Um, he was found in a creek. 
Um, now, Maurice was not reported missing because his mom was actually being detained in a mental hospital at the time of his disappearance. Ugh. Yeah. Um, Maurice struggled financially. He lived in a boiler room of an indie apartment complex. Um, he was a local sex worker. And again, <clears throat> he was reported to hang out at the, you know, the gay bars and the gay um, hangouts in Indianapolis. Um, due to his mom being detained at the mental hospital, his remains went unidentified for eight months. He was finally identified in March of 1983. Um, his cause of death could not be determined um, definitively, but the coroners did believe that it was strangulation yeah. that killed him. So um, I guess I should have mentioned there are 12 victims. Holy. Yeah. So that's why my overviews are pretty brief. Um, one being I couldn't find anything. Yeah. So two being there are 12. So, okay. Stop saying so. Here we go. <laughs> so the third, I just said it again. The third victim was Delvoid Lee Baker. So this is actually, I had chosen him to cover. This is who I chose to do for my case. And I didn't realize that he was, he had, this many victims around him as well. So then I just decided to just do all of them mm -hmm. as an overview. Um, so he was the youngest victim at 14 when wow. he, yeah, when he was murdered. He was only in eighth grade. Um, so his semi-nude body was found, again, in Hamilton County um, on October 3rd, 1982. Investigators say that witnesses saw Devoid downtown on October 2nd. Um, he was getting into a blue van. The driver was a white male with a mustache. Actually, it said bushy mustache. And I was like, do I need all that detail in here? But a white man with a bushy mustache. Aren't all mustaches bushy, though? <laughs> like, I mean, you can have, like, a, a tame mustache if you use that special comb and just right across the front. Right? That's true. Yeah. So, anyway, um... <clears throat> So his parents told police that on the night of his disappearance, he was riding his bike to the city center. When he got there, he called them and said that he wanted to go see a movie. So, um, like, not to wait up. Like, he was going to be home late. Um, a friend came forward saying that, or, and actually, also, I didn't write this down, but it, they did mention that they didn't think he had any money on him. So they actually found that weird, like, right off the bat when he called them. But they were like, you know, yeah. whatever, he might be with a friend or um, so anyway, um, one of his friends came forward saying that they had been actually visiting, um, the gay bars in Indy for a few months prior to his disappearance. How are they getting in at, I mean, it was in, in the, it was in the eighties. It was eight, nine, 18, it was 1882. <laughs> the gay bars, I mean, they didn't care how old you were. No, it was 1982. So it was kind yeah. of loosey goosey. Fakes were easier to make. I mean, there's a plethora of reasons. Um, so, let's see. So, his friend also said that they were trolling and, and doing sexual favors for money. Mm -hmm. So, dabbling in sex work at a young age. Um, some investigators believe that um, <clears throat> his murder is unrelated to the I-70 Strangler only because he's so young and he is the only African-American victim, like, linked to the I-70 Strangler. Yeah, usually there's an M.O. Yes, but Michael Petrie was only 15, and Devoid was 14. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's that big of a big of a difference to jump and say, oh, it's completely unrelated. Yeah. That seems like a like far fetched. Um, and I was kind of thinking, like, when he called his parents from the city center, like, did someone make him make that <gasps> oh. phone call? Like, was you know what I mean? Was someone like to throw off? Fucking the... Tell your parents that you want to go see a movie and you're getting into my fucking van. Yeah, to, to, to yeah. discourage so, where they're gonna start looking. Yeah. Um, okay, so the fourth victim is <clears throat> Michael Andrew Riley. He disappeared at the age of 22 on May 28th, 1983. So I don't know if you notice the gap, like the time gaps here. So we've got June 16th, um, that's 1980, and then July 1982. So there's two years just between victim one and two. Uh-huh. Um, it's a pretty big gap. Yeah, and then, let's see, and then it's October 3rd, 1982. So then that gap is only a few months. Yeah. So it's it's kind of, there might be more, it's like, did, was he dumping bodies elsewhere? Or are they even connected? And yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is so sloppy and all over the place, but the fact that they're all, you know, young gay men, I think, and were strangled is kind of what they're going off of and dumped near I-70. Well, and if it's victims of opportunity, yeah, that could be at any point in time. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe he has a family. And- yeah, well, and he might have been in jail for drug charges for those two years. Yeah. Like, there's just no saying, like, you know, what he was doing. Um, okay. <clears throat> so, Michael Andrew Riley... Disappeared at the age of 22 on May 18th, 1983. Um, everyone says he was at the Vogue Theater. Some um, articles I read said the Broad Ripple, which I don't know which one, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's uh, split. But the article that I read literally calls the Vogue Theater a gay movie house. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that's blunt. So there was a photo taken um, of him being seen leaving with an unknown man. I could not find this photo. I tried so hard. And I'm going to feel really stupid if it's just out there somewhere and I'm just not that good at finding things online. But I could not. Why would there be a photo taken? Maybe someone was just taking a picture of the theater. I really Uh, don't know. But I couldn't find this photo because this photo will come up later. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I tried to find it cause I wanted to post it to our socials, but I couldn't, maybe you'll help me with that. Yeah. We'll look for it before we post anything. Um, anyway, so he was seen leaving with this unknown man in front of the theater and this mysterious photo that I couldn't find. Um, his body was found in a ditch in actually Hancock County. So this is the first one that wasn't in Hamilton. Um, uh, and that's in Indiana on June the 5th. He was, he was found completely naked. Um, the autopsy confirmed that it was strangulation was his cause of death. Um, the coroners also stated that the assailant probably used a towel or something of similar fabric to strangle him. I don't know if the bruising showed like fibers or they found fibers or what, but that's, um, was a statement that I read. Um, so yeah, that's Michael Andrew Riley. So this, the, his fifth victim is the first victim that was found outside of Indiana. Um, his name was Eric Allen. Do you want to help me with this one? Mm-hmm. I don't. I feel bad. I'm sorry if I mispronounce any names. Um, Rodiger? Yeah, I don't know Ro- if that Ed- E. Yeah. 
R O E T T G E R. Yeah, Roker. Roker. Okay, we'll just we'll call him Eric Allen. Um, he was just 17 when he vanished on May 7th, 1985. He had several interviews lined up for a summer job um, that day. How old was he? I'm sorry. He was 17. Okay. So he's trying to get a summer job, you know, save up money, pay for college, or maybe he wanted to buy a car. Um, anyway, none of the interviews he made it to. I'm Yoda now. <laughs> he made it to none of the interviews. Um, he was spotted at a bus stop the morning of his disappearance, which makes sense. He was riding the bus to get to his interviews. Um, he reportedly climbed into a car and, uh, like, accepted a ride from a stranger before the bus even came. So, uh, someone did, like, witnesses confirmed that how reliable that is is up to, you know, whatever your opinion is about yeah. eyewitnesses. Um, he was found a few days later in Preble County, Ohio. So, he was just missing his shirt. He had a burn mark on his left shoulder, which is different you know, than any other bodies found so far. Um, the autopsy revealed that he had been strangled by a rope. Um, friends and family said that he never indicated that he was gay. Um, but friends had mentioned that he did have some friends in the city that were involved in like drugs and drug, drug trafficking. But again, this was 1985. What does that mean? Was he like, was his friend like selling weed to, you know, to his friends? You know, that that can be drug trafficking. Yeah. So. But he didn't frequent any of the gay clubs. Um, it, again, his friends and family said that he never indicated he was gay. He could have been doing it by himself. I'm not saying that's what he was doing. Yeah. Um, but there's just no witnesses confirming that he was visiting these areas of of the city. So Um, this one's a little different. Yeah, so he was picked up at the bus stop. Whether or not that was the killer, I mean, they could have dropped him off somewhere. Well, yeah, because that one's, he's not outwardly expressing that he's gay, unlike the, like, the other ones are, you know, they're So far. Oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. No, it's okay. Get ahead. No, you're fine. There's a lot. We're not even halfway yet. Um, But yeah, he just, how do I word this? It could have been the killer that picked him up at the bus stop. I guess I should have looked up if that bus stop, how close it was to that four block radius Mm -hmm. um, where most of the other victims were picked up. But yeah, the person who picked him up could have just been a good Samaritan and dropped him off somewhere. And then he was walking to his interview. Yeah. Picked up, you know, so that's what's so hard. There is just nothing. There is nothing. This was so frustrating to research. Yeah. So frustrating. It's all up to interpretation and just trying to put any puzzle pieces together yep. that you just can. Just theories and eyewitness accounts. Yep. That's it. So, okay. The sixth victim was 29-year-old Michael Allen Glenn. He was found on August 15th, 1986, which is a good year and some months after Eric. Mm-hmm. So, again, huge gap. So inconsistent. Um, he was found in a ditch near Eaton, Ohio. He lived outside of the city, the city being Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did odd jobs as a handyman. So the date of his disappearance couldn't really be determined because he could go. He didn't live with his parents. He was 29 years old. Mm-hmm. So he maybe didn't talk to them every day. And, um, and he wasn't reported missing. Like So far, this is the oldest yes, victim. Yes, yes 29, which is, which is still so young. Because <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey. Yeah, <laughs> grandma. 
Um, yeah, and I didn't find anything about witnesses on this one either. I mean, he kind of seemed like, and again, I couldn't find anything. This is just me psychoanalyzing words about him. <laughs> that he just kind of did his jobs. He hung at home. He laid low. Like, no one was like seeing him consistently. Yeah. The easiest so even, people. Even, yeah. Even like your job. It's like, oh, he didn't show up for work. Well, he was doing odd handyman jobs. So that's not even, you can't even go off of that. Um, let's see. He was found wearing only his underwear and had strangulation marks on his neck. Um, coroner said it was possibly from a rope. Couldn't be like definitively said. Um, his body went unidentified for three years until he was finally, again, yeah, his parents, I I couldn't find anything. I don't know if they, I didn't see anything about them reporting him missing. I don't know if maybe they didn't talk. So, um, but they finally used fingerprints to identify him three years later. So that would have made it, let's see, in, uh, 1989. So fun fact. Um, we talked about CODIS in our first episode and we were like, oh, I don't know. So, okay. I did some research on CODIS. CODIS means Combined DNA Index System. It was established in 1990. It only had 12 labs involved. And then, um, to date, so. As of right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I feel like I have to define what to date means. (laughs) Um, it has 203 labs covering the entire United States District of Columbia in Puerto Rico. So that's just a little nice. tidbit. Yeah, so now we all know. Good. I think that CODIS is such an incredible program. Is would you yeah. consider it a program? Yeah. Just because how many potential solved cases CODIS could lead to. Yeah, I mean, and it has already had. Has has had 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 has already led to. <laughs> Words. Yes. Words are hard. Well, because all you have to do is jump state. Or jump county. Yeah. I mean, and then, and plus cops, they don't like to, they're like, I have this evidence. We're going to solve it. And the other cops have, like, the other half. And it's like, hey. You're not working on commission. Marry your evidence. And then we can solve the crime instead of freaking feeding your ego. I will never understand why there is not, why when things go out of state or go out of county even, yeah, it becomes such a huge problem why can't all law enforcements work together i understand like if a crime okay like there's a a car accident within such and such county then that county's law enforcement comes into play but why when it's a literal murder or missing person they all can't work together yeah they have to ask (laughs) yeah it's red tape red tape yep and I'm not educated enough to comment on that, I guess. I Red tape. Yeah. It, it's still, it's just, yeah. I feel like it's common sense. Like I said, they're not working on commission. It's not like well, you yeah. guys get, uh, you know, a bonus for solving this. Yeah, it's not crime. like you guys are both businesses competing against each other to, like, make money. Mm-hmm. You're, you're making a salary. Or, yeah. It's exactly. random. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. So, sorry. Let's see. So that was number wit or witness. That was victim number six. Um, that was uh, Michael Allen Glenn. So victim number seven. Um, his name was James Robbins. He went missing on October fifteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. So that's another year. Mm-hmm. 
Those um, are big, weird gaps. I know. And the weird thing about this one, I couldn't find his age. <gasps> what? Isn't that weird? I couldn't find his age. That's super weird. Yeah. So I should double check real quick. I'm pretty sure I couldn't find his age. Oh, shit. He was 21. Okay. <laughs> he was 21. It literally says, I have it written right here. <laughs> Why? <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, so again, 12 victims. There was a lot. Yeah, it's... It, there's too many. They, this is going to sound awful, but it all starts to blend together. It really does. It really... Especially when they were all killed the same way. Yeah. And dumped in the same area by... Probably the same person. So, um, the I-70 Strangler, in case you forgot. Not killer. Not killer. He's <laughs> Although he different. is a killer, he is not labeled the killer. Yes. As the I-70 killer. That's so confusing. I know. It was hard to research. I was, like, writing shit down, and I realized that the whole article was about the freaking I-70 killer. Oh, no. I was so pissed. <laughs> it was at the beginning, though, before I kind of knew, you know, the difference. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, James Robbins went missing October 15th, 1987, at 21 years old. There it is. (laughs) Um, He was walking to the south side of Indianapolis from his mother's house um, when he encountered the I-70 Strangler. Um, Again, eyewitnesses say they spotted a suspicious vehicle um, that was red. Oh, my God. (laughs) A suspicious red vehicle in the area. Um, There were different, different accounts. One person said it was a Jeep. The other said it was a Blazer. Obviously, it was a red SUV. Like, we don't, you know. I mean, I guess if you knew exactly which one, it would cut your search in half. But we don't. So, it was a red Jeep or Blazer or maybe none of them knew car makes and models. And it was just a red Tahoe. Who knows? Um, but he was found October 17th, um, fully nude, in a ditch in Shelby County, Indiana. Um, and he had, you guessed it strangulation marks on his neck so um let's see the eighth victim i promise i just wanted to give everybody like their life moment yeah Yeah, i didn't want to breeze over and say oh i'm only going to talk about three of the victims i wanted to mention everybody's name and everything i found on that person so this might run a little long guys um but we're on a break so the eighth victim is jean paul talbot um, there were no witnesses, and I could not find... Oh, my God, this is the guy I could not find his age. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, can I see that? I can see Jesus Christ, right? Well, we're an explicit podcast, so... Yeah, explicit. So, Jesus Christ! Don't listen to this around sensitive ears. Okay, so I could not find his exact age. I probably read that and then looked away, and then saw that, and then read it. Your brain's moving faster than your mouth. Yep, Okay. Um, so again, couldn't find any info on this guy, including his age. Um, his body was found in May, 1989. Um, he was strangled and he was left by a stream in Defiance, Ohio. So that's literally all of the information. How? I'm sorry. No, no, this is conversational. How far is the Ohio border from this four block radius? From Indianapolis? Indianapolis is very central, so yes. it's probably, I did not look this up, but if I had to guess, I would say between one and a half to two hours. Okay. Because I know, 
let's see, Muncie is really close to the Ohio border, I'm pretty sure. Is it really? Yeah, because Muncie is near, like, Union City, and Union City is half in Ohio and half... Yes, I remember that. Yes. I have no um, knowledge of, like, southern, mid to southern Indiana. Let me tell you a funny story. I'm about to get sidetracked right here. (laughs) So, um, I thought, for some unknown reason, that Fort Wayne was, like, we're in northern Indiana. We're by South Bend. I thought Fort Wayne was directly south of us, somewhere in between it's literally east. us, <laughs> us in Indianapolis. And then I looked at a map, and this was recent. I lived in Fort Wayne for two years, people, and she basically and lived I, with me for like six months. Yeah, there. yeah. And I had no idea just how close to Ohio Fort Wayne is. And the funny thing is, is my husband also thought that Fort Wayne was directly (laughs) south of us. And his brother, my brother-in-law, lives in Fort Wayne. Oh, yeah, he's lived there forever. Yeah, Rox lived in Fort Wayne for, like, five years. And Roy and I were both under the impression that Fort Wayne was south of us when it's east yeah, it's, like, it's south like six miles and then east yes. the whole rest of the yes. way. It, it's, uh, oh, wow. We just pinpointed our <laughs> location. Anyway. Yeah, that is a fun fact. Yeah. I'm really glad that you shared that with yep. Okay. A little, off, a little off course. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Let's see here. Um. Okay. Our ninth victim was Stephen L. Elliott. Um. He was 26 and was found um, in only his underwear, and he had been strangled. Duh. Um, he was found in Preble County as well. So that's the same county as Eric Allen Rotger. 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 That's not, you can't type names into like the Google voice out because they don't know how to say fucking names either. Yeah. So. There was just no way to figure out how to say that one. Um, anyway, Stephen's father stated that when he came out of the closet 10 years ago and told his whole family that he was um, gay, that he left the home and he became involved in sex work. Um, I don't know if that's just his dad making assumptions and like thinking this is how they live. It also, I wasn't going to mention this. It also said that he was uh, an alcoholic, which that is what his dad said. And I was like, is that even worth mentioning? It's just, like, super fucking negative. Yeah, and it's kind of, like, enabling anybody to not care about them because, oh, they're sex workers. Oh, they're alcoholics. Yeah. They're putting themselves in yeah, situations. Exactly. They exactly. deserve it. Yeah, dangerous like, lifestyles, yep. right? Yep. Um, but, yeah, and I don't want to talk ill of his father either. I'm just saying from either side, <clears throat> either I don't know if his father was just saying, oh, well, he's gay and he just left and now obviously he's having sex for money and, and getting drunk all the time. Yeah. Or if, or if he spoke with him and knew that he was struggling with alcoholism and I don't know which one it is. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> so the 10th victim is Clay Russell Boatman. Um, he was a 32-year-old man who went missing in August, well, it was August 14th of 1990. Um, now, his family denies that he was gay. Um... I don't know, again, so, like, it's like walking on a tightrope. I don't know if, you know, he just never told them or if he did and they're in denial. Don't want to ill-talk his family, but that's what um, the article said, that he was 
they didn't believe that he was gay and that they were like, no, he's not. Um, so they said that he left his home in Richmond, Indiana, which is close to the Ohio border, I believe, within um, an hour of the Ohio border. Um, it says that he was going to go grab drinks at a local Richmond bar called Our Bar. Hey. I know, right? <laughs> I know. There's a gay bar around us. It's called, it's called Our Bar. Our Bar. <laughs> so good. Um, but anyway, and this was a local gay bar. Oh, so, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of why it's like, mm. but again, you can go to a gay bar and not be a gay person. Yeah, I'm just we saying. just went to Our Bar and there went my $20 steak. In yes. the parking lot. I oh, no, it was prime rib. Oh, my God, it was so funny. So we took her uh, to this drag show for her birthday at our bar. It wasn't for my birthday. It was just It wasn't us. for your birthday? No, we went in October. My birthday was just a week ago. <laughs> I know, but okay. Well, we'll was, just pretend. It was, it, for, it, my it was for you. We went for you. Yeah, I've so. been having a tough time, so they all took me out. Yeah. So we had this really nice dinner, and she got prime rib. And it was at the casino, actually, right? It was we prime rib. Casino. I thought I had steak. That's right, because you had never been to the casino. That's why we went. Yes. And your wonderful husband was like, hey, my lady's never been to the casino. I want all of her girlfriends to take her. So, okay, that's why we went. Now I remember. Yes. Ladies night. Yes. Ladies night. Oh, can we? We can't do that. I don't think you can I don't sing, think you but... can. I was not singing a song. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, but yeah, she ate prime rib and then proceeded to throw it up well. Two hours later in the parking lot of our bar. In the middle of the drag show. And then they told me that I grabbed a bald gay man's head and was just You did. And you were just looking at him like (laughs) a weirdo. I I don't drink. It was so funny. But she was sitting in the passenger seat of the car, okay? And I'm the designated driver, so I'm fucking stone cold sober through this whole situation. And she throws up and she goes, oh no, my prime rib tender. (laughs) $20. Didn't you take a picture of it? I did, and I sent it to Roy like a psycho. <laughs> oh, boy. Good times. Good uh, times. Anyway, our bar. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Okay. So, he went to this local bar, um, which is weird because this is, again, I know I said he found most of his victims, like, in this four-block Indianapolis radius, you know. <laughs> But, sorry, Shaq is being funny. Um, but he was at this bar in Richmond. So, I probably should have looked up how close Richmond was to Indianapolis, huh? I don't know. It might be, like, right in the middle. Here, let's find out. But it says a local bar. Yeah, um, she's going to look that up. Okay, so we looked it up. Um, Richmond is, like, insanely close to the Ohio border and right on I-70, like, smack dab. So, um, he, that's weird. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Cause that's almost like the I-70 killer. He found people near I-70. This case is a mess. My brain's going so many places Dude, right now. researching this was so hard. It was so hard to figure out what was important enough to put in. Cause I knew it was going to be long. Yeah. Oh, it's tough. Okay. But I hope, um, I hope I did a good job. You guys, let me know. Um, <clears throat> so anyway. He was at this bar in Richmond. We're still, he <laughs> still haven't moved from that sentence. Um, his body was found. Let's see. Oh my gosh, this one's terrible. So his body was found by a group of children <gasps> near Eaton, Ohio. Um, and he showed signs of strangulation. So obviously that's why, that's probably why, because he was found right on I-70, you know, and was strangled. 
why he's in the mix with all of these. It is strange, though, that he was found in, or picked up in Richmond, supposedly. Yeah. So, I didn't read anything about witnesses saying he left this bar or anything. So, the R bar. So, yeah, that one's a little bit of, like, a wild card, I guess. Um, Okay, so, the 11th victim was Thomas Clevenger Jr. Um, He went missing at the end of August 1990. So, let's see. Clay Russell Boatman went missing August 14th, 1990. So, that's not even, that's 15 days. Sometime at the end of August. I couldn't find the exact date. He's getting brave. Yeah, or, or... You know, Clay Boatman might have been killed by somebody else. Again, <laughs> clusterfuck. <laughs> um, fun fact, clusterfuck, I just thought of this, um, was coined in an old Western with, um, uh, who's a super hot old ass dude? He's got a hot son too that's an actor. Um, Clint Eastwood. Ew, you think Clint Eastwood's hot? I mean, <gasps> Ashley. When I look at his face, I see young Clint Eastwood. You didn't say no. You didn't say no. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, they asked him. Uh, what, they asked him what he thought of something. I don't remember what. And uh, he said, oh, "I thought it was a clusterfuck." That's funny. And that's where that. Imagine came making from. a word like that. Yeah, that's. I was like, that was probably huge laughs at the time because that was not a word that anybody yeah. said. Yeah. So anyway, that fact. Um. Let's see. So, yeah, Thomas Clevenger Jr. went missing at the end of August. He was only 19, so another super young kid. Um, Thomas had an intellectual disability, so it caused him to have trouble reading and writing. Um, He was from a rough neighborhood in Indianapolis, so he was involved in crime at a really young age. Um, He was reportedly involved in sex work, um, as many of the victims uh, were. And... um, his family denies the accusation that he was doing sex work. Um, again, that's up for interpretation mm-hmm. of why. Um, and he was found half naked near an abandoned railroad track in Greenville, Ohio. So not a body of water. No. Some of them were found near like streams, creeks, ditches, um, ditches but some of them were not. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like this one. Like this one. Like Thomas. Um, Okay, so the 12th and final victim linked to the I-70 Strangler is Otto Gary Baker. I love it. Becker, sorry. I love this freaking name. I love the name Otto. I think it's adorable. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's short for Ottoman, if that was a name. (laughs) Back in the day. (laughs) Or Otis. Otis would be better, but Otis is just as short as Otto. Okay. (laughs) That was a bad joke. (laughs) So glad you thought it was so funny. I didn't even uh, write that down at all. It just that was just um, okay. So he was the final victim linked to the I seventy strangler. He was found in a ditch. Um, it says it says I wrote October seventh, nineteen ninety one. Um, he was found in Indiana, um, Henry County. So there were some eyewitnesses that stated that they saw Otto men no they saw Otto in a car on I-70 with two men so these witnesses now this is weird these witnesses say that one of these men was driving and then the other man was holding Otto down oh so I don't know if they called in right away and said that and then they linked it later once he was reported missing or what but um that's one of the eyewitness accounts um I couldn't find a date on the 
the sighting. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know when that happened. Um, oh, crap. So, yeah, that those that's the string of victims that are wow. potentially linked to... They're officially linked to the um, I-70 Strangler. Um, let's see here. So, the first suspect is Duncan Patterson. So, I believe he was 47 at the time of the investigations. Um, he was from Florida. Um, yeah, just hold on. He was from Florida. However, in the fall of 1982, he was arrested in Indianapolis on statutory rape charges. So, he was having sex with underage, um, boys. Or underage children. That's that's redundant. Underage boys. Underage boys. Okay. You believe. Did it, it just said, I'm assuming underage people. I need to just read what I write. I'm trying not to like read everything word for word and it's fucking me up. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to read what I have for this and let's see how that goes. Okay. So suspect number one is Duncan Patterson. He was 47 at the time of the investigation. Um, He was from Florida, but in the fall of 1982, he was arrested in Indianapolis on statutory rape charges. Um, After these charges were brought about, an unnamed friend of Delvoy Baker, which was, I believe, his third or fourth victim. um, He was only 15. They said that Delvoy had gotten into Patterson's van. And um, they didn't say if he was with him or how he knew, like, the friend, like, if he just saw it or if he was with him and he was like, I don't want to get in this van with this dude. Um, but they saw him get into the van with Patterson. So <clears throat> they did question Patterson about it. And he actually admitted to picking up Delvoid. Um, he said that he had paid Delvoid $20 for oral sex. He claims that he took Delvoid to a hotel where he performed oral sex on him. Um, but then he says that he dropped him off later at the Indianapolis Central Library, and then he saw him get into another vehicle. Now, here's the kicker. There is an eyewitness that confirms the story. <gasps> no shit. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> that story is backed by an unnamed witness. They said that they saw, after exiting Patterson's van, that Devoid was talking to a man that he appeared to know. So, they were acting very casual, like they knew each other. And then he followed that man to a vehicle. Again, a vehicle. It didn't yeah. say a truck, a car. No description. Not, no description. So, um, the, but that he got into the vehicle. Um, I didn't find anything on an investigation into this unknown man or vehicle. So, yeah. I know. So, fast forward to 1983, which is the following year. There is um, Gus Cato. He was detained. I wrote bleh suspect. Bleh <laughs> suspect. <laughs> he was detained for um, the murders. But after investigators failed to find any like evidence linking him to any of the murders, um, he was later released. I don't know where this guy came from, why he was on the radar, and why they arrested him for this without any evidence or indication that he was linked to this at all. This seems to be having a lot in, like, the 80s, 90s, where they just pick up anybody. Maybe they'll Yeah, I mean, you might have had prior charges for, like, child molestation or something, but, again, I couldn't find much on him. He was a 
bleh, suspect, as I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so here comes one of the big ones. Sorry. So the next suspect is Larry Eiler. So this dude is a whole ass podcast in himself. He was on death row in Cook County, Illinois for murdering 16-year-old Daniel Bridges. He targeted gay men. Um, His mom lived in Richmond. Oh. Yes. So several bodies were found near Richmond. Yeah, right on I-70. There's a link right there. Um, But his method of murder... That's a good band name. Dibs. <laughs> Tim. Uh, or podcast. Hey. Um, but his method of murder proved to be too different from the I-70 Strangler. So they kind of unlinked him, I guess, that way. Um, he went on a one-year rampage, and he was using a knife to uh, murder his victims. Um, so here's a fun fact. I know we've all heard of Kathleen Zeller. Stephen Avery's appeals lawyer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Kathleen Zeller represented Larry Eiler in the 1990s. Um, It was while he was on death row. So she got him a plea deal. Okay. That. Okay. So basically the deal was if he admitted to all of this, that he, and, and, it would solve 20 murders. Oh. Yes. And the I think the 21st was the um, Daniel Bridges. So, but this plea would solve 20 murders. Um, the murders he committed with Robert Little. He claims he committed them with this Robert Little, which he was his lover and he was a professor at Indiana University. Oh, my This God. Robert Little. Yes. So, um... Robert was never convicted. There was no evidence. Um, and eventually, Eiler's plea was deemed inconclusive. What does that mean? That none of the evidence backed up his plea deal. Because basically, okay, his confession was that he deal. wrote was for the plea deal to get his um, life sentence, sentence commuted to 60 years. Or not his life sentence. I'm sorry. His death row. He didn't want... What's that called? His death sentence, right? Okay. To get that commuted to 60 years in prison. Um, but the confession that he wrote, he mentions Robert Little in it and that he helped him with all of this. Well, there's no evidence to prove that. And so they deemed this confession inconclusive. Okay. So he died on death row. Um from AIDS complications in 1994. After this happened, Kathleen Zellner released his full confession. Um, <clears throat> many thought that this was inappropriate at the time because it's like, why didn't you release that before? Like for the families and stuff. And if it was used in a trial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's again, very messy, very messy. I'm, I'm going to work on my research a little more, but I don't know if it was used in the trial because it was deemed inconclusive. So I'm not well, sure if, if anybody can confess to anything. Yeah, I just I don't so know if Robert Little ever like got charged and went through a trial. I probably should have uh, researched more of that. Again, it was hard to decide what was important enough to put in. I didn't yeah. want to dive too much into this because he didn't do it's it. It's a whole yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So anyway, um, 
<clears throat> so, because, yeah, this is just a background on him because he is a freaking psycho killer. Um, let's see. Mm. Oh, but yeah, the reason that uh, Zellner waited to release it until after he was passed was because that was his wishes. It's, you know, um, client, lawyer, confidentiality, confidentiality. <laughs> confidentiality. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, look, I literally put confusion because there was just so much information and I didn't want to dive too deep into it. Well, And, and, and I, I put used in trial question mark. I didn't want to start researching that. We'll probably cover Larry Eiler eventually. I'm yeah, sure. well, when it comes down to law, knowledge of law, it's so confusing. Yeah, yeah. Because there's exceptions to everything. There's loopholes to everything. There's... Yeah. Well, why did you do this or why did you do that? I could never be an attorney. I'm argumentative as hell. But yeah. There's so many rules to this game of chess when it comes to law that it doesn't make any sense. Yes. Oh my gosh, this one's messy. <laughs> okay. So our third and final and best suspect, I'll say, is most likely. I don't. I don't know. I don't think he did it. Okay. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> this is, this was frustrating because when I was doing research on the strangler, it would say I-70 strangler and it would say her Baumeister. And it's, that's not the case. He's not officially the I-70 strangler. No one has ever been convicted, tried or convicted or charged with any of these murders that I've been talking about. N- not. But there's still the media labels. Him as- exactly. Yeah. All the articles, like. YouTube videos will say, I-70 Strangler, er, Baumeister. And I'm like, that's not accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so annoying. It's not officially him. Um, so, Herb Baumeister, um, he was the primary suspect of seven murders committed in 19, or from 1993 to 1995 in Indianapolis. Um, cops received a tip that Herb might be the man in the photo with Michael Riley. Oh. That's why I tried to find that photo. Because I'm like, okay, well, we'll have a photo of Herb. We'll have this photo. You know, people can kind of make their own assumptions. Um, he was a primary suspect of seven murders committed from 1993 to 1995 in Indianapolis. Um, in 1991, he had acquired an 18-acre estate called Fox Hollow Farms. Oh, I know this guy. Yes. Again, I've got some fun stuff on here. Um, so, let's see. On June 24th, 1996, um, they found 11 bodies on buried at Fox Hollow Farm in, on his property. Um, eventually, seven of those bodies were identified by forensic scientists to be the seven murders that he was being charged for. Oh my God. Yes. Um, or that he was a suspect of, um, <clears throat> eight were identified and three were unidentified. They found fragments and they're saying officially 11 bodies, but it could be as many as 20. Holy shit. Yes. A lot. Um, <clears throat> so Basically, after they found all these bodies, 
he drove to Canada and shot himself. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, it was like a week after it happened. So, after they found all the bodies and started investigating oh, and stuff. Oh, that so. just makes me so angry when that happens. I know! So annoying. Um, okay, so here's a fun fact about the um, Fox, Fox Hollow Farms. Um, <clears throat> as of 2019, let's see, Ghost Hunters um, and some other uh, television shows have visited Fox Hollow Farms, which is located in Carmel, Indiana. Okay. So close. That's just so there. close. We should go. Um, they've gone there many times. There's theories that it's haunted because of all of the bodies that were buried on the property. Um, <clears throat> so the house is owned by the Graves family. Um, there's a man named Noah Heron. Um, he owns eight acres of the property. and This is as of 2019. Okay. So he owns eight acres of the property. And uh, he wants to build a family home on the <gasps> property. Um, he says that he's aware of the murders and of the quote-unquote haunting, but he says the property's beautiful and he doesn't want to pass it up because, you know, people are superstitious about things. Um, I also read, which I did not write down, that he spoke to neighbors and, like, they said, he said, you know, have you ever seen a ghost? Do you feel this property's haunted? And they're like, no, you know, it's not. Yeah. So he was All like, land okay. has trauma. Um, but there are three lots for sale. Oh, hey. They are two to three acre lots, and they are $300,000 a piece. So <laughs> you, my good people, could own part of the Fox Hollow Farm property. I'll pass. Yeah, same, same. I mean, I don't have 300 grand, so kind of a no-go anyhow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's see. <sighs> like, tons of police think that Herb is the stra- I-70 Strangler. So, um, they're theorizing that he stopped dumping bodies along the interstate once he moved into Fox Hollow Farm, which the last body was found in 1991 and he moved into Fox Hollow Farm in 1991. Yeah. It's very perfect timing. Um, they think that, um, not they, many people see this as lazy police work. Um, there's no physical evidence linking him to any of the murders from the um, that are linked to the I seventy strangler, they're ju- it's just good timing basically. Were his uh, victims that were absolutely his victims? Were they all strangulated? Strangulated. Well, they were buried in his backyard. They decomposed oh, for two. They, they couldn't. Could yeah. So, um, but I will say um, that an unnamed missing man's family hired a private investigator. This private investigator found a friend of this missing man. And the friend said, the friend said, the friend said, the the friend said that he had met a Brian Stats. Um, This Brian Stats was into erotica asphyxiation. (gasps) Oh. Strangling, right? Um, He went to this home with Brian Stats. Uh, you, You can't see. I'm doing air quotes when I say this. Um, but he got freaked out because this Brian came up behind him and wrapped a pool hose around his neck from behind. Redundant. Um, it, he fought him off and he left. Um, him and a friend later spotted this, air quote, Brian at a restaurant. They wrote down his license plate, okay? And they turned it into police who informed him that it was registered to Herb Baumeister. Oh. So he's using a fake name. 
And, and so that, that links herb to, you know, strangulation. Yeah. So. Is this the guy that had the mannequins around his pool? Yes. Okay. Oh, that's yes. what I thought. That's what I thought. Again, I didn't know what to put in. I didn't want to go too much into him because I personally don't think he did it. I don't think he's an I-70 strangler. But yeah, it is. It is that story where there's all these mannequins around his pool and it's yeah, super it's weird. weird. Yes. Yeah. I do. I remember hearing about this guy because I kept thinking that just sounds like something out of like a tri- a, a crime, a true crime fantasy novel. Yeah. Like, like you couldn't. How eerie. Yes. How like you can't write grotesque. shit like that. Yeah. yeah. That he had all these, he had all these <clears throat> mannequins posed around his, it was like a in-ground pool he had in his house. At the Fox Hollows Farms. Mm-hmm. And he brought a guy home. And the guy, it must have been the same yeah, guy. That yeah, it was this guy. That's so Yes, because he's the one that escaped and was like, hey, man, this dude has this fucking house. And there's all these mannequins in the pool. It's weird. They called it, what did they call it? A playpen or something? I think that's, yeah. It's like, what do you refer to it as? That is so fucking creepy. Ugh. Okay, um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I just want to mention that... Um, I did write down the names of the uh, seven uh, bodies that were identified in his yard. Um, I did want to mention those names. Oh, yeah. So um, <clears throat> it was <clears throat> Manuel M. Resendez. He was 31 when he went missing. Um, Stephen S. Hale, he was 26. Richard D. Hamilton was 20. Johnny Bayer was also 20. Um, Alan Wayne... Broussard was 28, which I thought that was kind of weird. Oh, wait, never mind. We're talking about Indianapolis. That's not weird. Um, I was thinking Fort Wayne, which is in Allen County. Allen yeah. Wayne. Yeah. Um, then there's Jeff Allen Jones. He was 31. And then Michael Kiern was 46. So those were his seven victims that were identified. Um, <clears throat> so, like I said, to date, no one has ever been charged or convicted of any of these 12 murders, which is just very frustrating that's so many and there's just there's just no evidence um so i guess i just gave this away but we're gonna go into the evidence and the investigation now i know you should probably do that before but it felt better to me to do the that first and get that out of the way because there's a lot of fanfare with larry eiler and herb bombmasters so now we're going to dive into the evidence and the investigation, but I do want to say that um, the LGBTQ community did not have the support that they have today um, back in the 80s and 90s, and um, I read some articles saying that um, witnesses were claiming that police were yelling homophobic slurs at them when they were trying to report assaults and uh, things of that nature. Um, so there was clearly a stigma in the department that made the LGBTQ plus community distrustful of police. Um, I think if cops would have taken those claims more seriously and without bias, we probably could have stopped this or, or possibly could have stopped it. Um, because I'm sure that there were some victims that got away from him that didn't get lured into his car. And maybe they didn't report that because they knew that the cops weren't going to take yeah, it seriously. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, Which so, still happens a, a lot. Oh of yeah, we still have a long way to go. A know, long sexual way to go. assaults are a great example of Ugh, yeah, women, men, gay, straight. It's, yeah, yeah. He said, she said. Cases are never good. So, like I said, they they really didn't have the community talking to them, so they had to resort to um, like surveillance and things along along those lines. 
So I didn't find anything about like really any physical evidence aside from um, the bodies found that could be used to link anything to anyone. Um, they had to rely heavily on, you know, the MO of the I-70 Strangler, the location, um, <clears throat> and then eyewitness accounts for um, any evidence of the victim's last days. Um, the Indy Police Department did start a task force um, to investigate. They had only found Michael, Maurice, and Del Void at the time, so it was pretty early on yeah. when they had them linked and they were looking into it. Um, there were only eight officers in that um, task force at the time. So um, they started to um, like do surveillance because like I had mentioned, there was like a lot of distrust with the police. So they just started to surveil things. Um, Survey. That what I say? Surveil. <laughs> that's that's a word. Is it really? That's a real word. Yes. Oh, now I feel stupid. I thought they started to survey. <laughs> no, it's not surveil. Um, so yeah, they they weren't giving the community wasn't giving police anything because they didn't want to talk to them. They were dicks. Yeah. Um. So. They had to resort to the surveillance of the area um, that the men and boys were going missing in. However, um, finding the I-70 Strangler didn't seem to be their only goal. They had mentioned, the cops had mentioned that the surveillance drives were also to deter other crime, cut down on um, sex work, assaults, and also the harassment of tourists. The I-70 Strangler was never reported doing any of those things. So it's just kind of, I guess watching the sex workers makes sense. But other than that, it's kind of like they weren't focused. Yeah. It was kind of like a balloon, you know, of multiple things. They're trying to kill all these birds with one stone and losing energy yes. towards what they should be exactly, focusing on. Exactly. So um, in 1983, the FBI did get involved in the investigation. Um, <clears throat> at that time, they did have seven bodies, but four of these... See, again, so sloppy. It's so confusing. <clears throat> Four more uh, murders were thrown into the mix. Um, it was after Michael Riley was found, which would have been... I should have wrote down the um, order instead of having to, to go through all of my papers. Let's see. Michael Riley was the fourth victim. So, <clears throat> FBI profilers assessed all eight murders, which being the four that are still linked and the four that are no longer linked. Um, even though the four added victims, uh, were thought, oh, thought to be linked, were all, um, gay, they all hung out in those gay bars in Indianapolis, and they were killed in Indy during the Eye Strangler's active years. Um, <clears throat> they were determined that it was two different people acting independently from one another. Um, the profilers stated that... Um, Michael Petrie, Maurice Taylor, Delvoid Baker, and Michael Riley, which are linked to the I-70 Strangler, were killed likely by a man around 45. Um, he would have been white, likely overweight, well off financially. What? How can they make these assumptions? Dude, they are FBI profilers. They're so good. It's insane. Have you ever looked into like shit like that? No. Holy crow. They're so right on point. And that's why, like, as soon as I read this... They probably see trends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they look at every little detail. Wait till I read the next one. Here, okay. let me let me finish both profiles first. So, <clears throat> let's see. A 45-year-old white male, likely overweight, well-off financially, and well-respected and liked 
um, in the community, and he was also likely married. So the um, <clears throat> the four like add-ons that were thought to be linked at this time, um, it was Gary Davis, Dennis. Dennis. I have developed a lisp. Dennis. Look at that. Bratzige. I wonder if the G is silent. Bratzi? Maybe. Or or if the Z is silent. Dennis. B-R-O-T-Z-E. Bratzi. (laughs) Z-G-E. B-R-O-T-Z-G-E. Bratzi. I would think Bratzi. Bratzi. Okay, so Gary Davis, Dennis Bratzi, John Roach, and Daniel McNeve. The profilers uh, believe that these four were killed by um, a younger white male between 20 and 30 years old. They determined that he was likely a fan or collector of military memorabilia, that he worked at a low-skill job, and that he outwardly expressed homophobia. But that was probably due to the fact that he was gay himself, and he murdered out of shame and hatred. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah, it makes sense. So um, so they, they took those four men off of the I-70 Strangler list because the, they were just... They didn't meet FBI the criteria. Profiles. Exactly. It was so different. Um, the way that... I guess maybe the aggression behind it. I'm not... Again, I don't know how they do that. Yeah. It's But it's it's wicked cool, like how they're dead on when people are convicted. Um, so, yeah, that's that's all they had. I mean, that's all the evidence. There there was just nothing. So, um, <clears throat> let's see here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the story. So there's these 21, no, not 21, 12 unsolved murders. And there's, that's just, that's it. That's, that's all. Insane. It's very, it was so frustrating to research this. I'm sorry it was a mess. I promise I'll get better. Um, I mean, do you have any theories, concerns, questions? I, there's so much. I, I think know. So I should have picked something a little easier for my first one, but I just got so enthralled with oh, it. Yeah. I couldn't stop. It's okay. So. Well, and I just, all, none of the cars were the same. Right? None of the vehicles, not even the Red Jeep, blue van. I yeah. mean, it was... Unidentified black vehicle. Like, and none of the vehicles are the same. See, for me, I hate when they talk about an MO. Because if you are a killer, you already know that they're looking at a similar pattern of motive, person, and way of that you're killing. You already know that. If you don't want to get caught, you know that they're they're doing this. The sociopaths don't think they'll get caught. They think they're too smart. Exactly, though. But they're probably taking that into consideration when you think that, oh, if I, I strangle copy. this, if I strangle this person, if I kill somebody with a gun, with, you know, if I shoot them, mm-hmm. if I stab yeah, them. Yeah, but it's probably sexual. They can't get off when they're shooting people with a gun. They need to be strangling somebody. Yeah, but not every, some people just kill because they're not. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wired. No, I'm talking about this case specifically. Yeah, but, but that's why I think that I don't think any of these are connected. 
You don't? I do not think this... I don't, I don't know that all of them are. I think it's a stretch to say this is all the same All person. the bodies were found, like, within, like, 10 miles of I-70, though. Yeah. And 90% of them were found... Were picked up in the same area. Yeah, but... The, the more we get into true crime, I think there's a lot more people that are murderers and psychopaths or sociopaths than we presume. I mm-hmm. think I think that's not a rarity, um, especially because um, I feel like it's a stretch because not all these men are a- outwardly gay. The the age group, especially like with Herb, 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 I would say Herb for the Herb. name. Yeah. Well, his name was Herbert. 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 But like those were all older men. The other, the other ones were yes younger boys predominantly but there was a i mean there was one that was 32 right one yeah one that nine. was i think the oldest one was 32 um but i mean you slick your hair back you shave your face yeah you can look young as young you know yeah. as young as you want i don't know it's just i know it's a lot there's a str- it's a stretch to, it reminds me of like the smiley face killers where they just oh kind of okay think. yeah don't even give me started on that. that is that one's on that's murky yeah <laughs> That theory is murky. I think it's hard to get an idea and work backwards. And I think that's what this case is with the I-70 Strangler, is they've already assumed there is a serial killer. And now they're working backwards. Yeah. Instead of of taking each of these cases independently and then Mm -hmm. at the end connecting Because, yeah, there's one thing that, that matches for one victim, but they're like, oh, well, none of the other ones are related to this situation, so that's that can't be it. Which you're cheating that victim out of me, or that victim's family out of maybe finding if it was an isolated event or not. Exactly. Yeah, I see what you're saying. There. Or, I mean, that's trying to connect all Indiana blonde women. Well, and, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's all, I mean, you can't, um, unless you've came to that conclusion and not getting that conclusion before you've ended it, it's... It's so just <clears throat> unstable. I know. I it, it, they do, most of them do feel linked with me. I mean, I mentioned there was a couple murky ones, but. Which obviously we're not, I'm not educated uh, yeah. professionally in this. I they am, know, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they know more, obviously, than we do. Yes, and more than they probably have released. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it just seems, I just, there's in my gullet. I just feel like this isn't... Maybe a, the, some of them have to be like... It's some of them. sexually motivated. They are all killed the same way. I mean... Well, and it comes down to... It could literally be anyone. Yeah. Literally. It could be some semi-driver that drives the I-70. It could, be a, I- 70. It could, it be, could a woman. be a woman. It could be a woman. It could be somebody that lives in probably Ohio. Not, it's probably not a woman, people. But yeah, statistically, <laughs> it's a man. But it, it could, could be a woman. It could be a woman. It could be somebody that lives in Ohio, not Indiana. It could be somebody that doesn't even live near I-70. Mm-hmm. Well, and it makes me think, like, okay, what what stipulates it being an I-70 murder? What radius yeah. around I-70? Can it is it within 10 miles? Is it right along the curve? Um, right along the edge? Yeah, yeah. It's like, where do you draw that line, kind of? And if there's multiple killers, obviously you're going to be a copycat and... and 
you know. Yeah, oh, be like, oh, this dude is doing this. I'm going to do it just like he does. Dump the bodies so where I he can does. keep deferring off the fact that yeah. it's me. Yeah, that's risky business, though, because if you get caught, they're going to pin all that shit on you. Yeah. Absolutely. Ugh. Well, and, like, admitting to, like, the, guy, the man who admitted to these crimes, you can't. Anybody can admit to any crime. They have to have proof. Well, no, Herb did commit those 20 murders. The other guy. The one that... Or, I mean, I mean, Larry. That's what I meant. Larry Eiler. He did He did do those murders, I think. It was Robert Little that didn't get charged. Weren't they trying to pin the 20... <laughs> Sorry. No, you're right. I should have this on my phone. I know. It's 2021. They tried to pin 20 murders upon him. Yeah, no, no. He was... Yeah, he... I. Okay, yeah, again, murky. Murky, murky, murky. I think he did those murders. But yeah, they, they deemed it inconclusive because he mentioned that Robert. that Robert Little was with him the entire way. And there's just yeah. nothing to prove that. You want to read some of that? You just... Can you read my handwriting? <sighs> I know, it's a mess. Well, and I feel like it would clear up these little muddy waters a little bit if they took each... If they got the, a serial killer out of the connotation for yes. each and every single one of them. Individually as isolated events. And they would probably get more individual evidence. And then maybe that would all link together in the end. Mm-hmm. But... You're putting it that it has to be within this mold. Yeah. Because the time frame is so wide. There's no, like, yeah. every six months there's a there's a murder. I know. And I know that, that Herb Baumeister is such a good... It, the timing lines up. You know, mm-hmm. and everything, but but how many other people bought homes within that span? That you know what I mean? That yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's just he or killed so he many moved. more people. The murderer, the the serial killer's job moved across the country, and then conspicuously, there's also it could literally be know, anybody, but I just know, pinning those so pinning those strings to to everything is just connecting those dots is impossible. Yes, I know. Okay, well, I wanted to do um, just a little uh, outro here before I read you, um, like, the numbers you can call if you want to call in any tips. Um, So, there was a 2021 poll done that shows that 5.6 Americans outwardly identify, you know, within the LGBTQ community. Okay. Um... So the community is still grossly outnumbered. That's a small percentage. And that's just people who are comfortable admitting it publicly. Um, We've come really far from, you know, like the Stonewall riot days and all that. Um, But we still have really far to go. Uh, We all want the same thing. We all want to be loved as ourselves. So please just fucking be nice to people. And that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. I agree. So, Yeah. Um, if you have any um, tips or if you were alive at that time and hanging out in that area and you remember something or like literally anything. Um, if you were assaulted at yes, one point by a yes, person. Yes, I mean, go back, the, the blue van, the red Jeep, the, you know, look at all of that. If anything, anything at all sticks out to you, um, you can call the Indianapolis Crime Stoppers at 317 262 Eight four seven seven. That's all anonymous. They won't um, call you out on that. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of police stations in Indy. Um, I picked up the one that was closest to I seventy, and 
Um, that one just happened to have the best Google rating as well. So <laughs> there you go. Um, it's the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, and it is 317-327-6300. So if you remember anything, please just call. They, I mean, they're still open. Again, the cops do think it was Herb Baumeister. Baumeister. However you say his name. So, But that's circumstantial. I know, but I'm just saying they're... They, 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 that's what they think. Yeah. And so it's really frustrating, even if someone calls in, they're probably like, oh, well, file that away. And, mm-hmm. but you never know. So please, 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 please call if you know anything. And that's all I have. Good that's job. it. Thank you. That was a lot. Oh. Good job. Well, you covered a lot of information. I know. Oh, how oh, frazzling. <laughs> Good job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. So, wait. What? Gays, theys, and what's that? Oh, yeah. Lays and, um, girls, gays, and theys? Yeah, yeah, I think that's... Wait, is. boys, girls, gays, and You have to say girl, boys, too, right? All right, thank you, everyone, yeah. for uh, tuning in to Ashley's very, very, very first case that she's covered. And um, don't forget to like us on all popular popular social media. Twitter is Pod. We are on Facebook, Nerds. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Um, and our studio, which we will be recording in by the first of the year, Golden Image Podcast. Follow them on Facebook as well. Um, anything else we need to... Yeah, like and share and rate and review and... Yep, all the fun things. Uh, send us some love. Spotify now, if you're a regular listener, you can rate and review podcasts. Before you couldn't... <gasps> you yeah, can? Yeah, Ooh, now on Spotify. Exciting. But you have to be a regular listener. Um, Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review. If, if you... Rate us one star. Do not feel weird about telling us why. Because we have to know what we're doing to get better. Um, well, and not every podcast is for every person either. Yes. Like, if you're coming in and you don't like our style or whatever. Totally fine. Yeah, but get it. you don't need to give us a one star review because we're not your style of podcast. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. lame. I just want to know what we're doing yeah, yeah, give us feedback. to be better. Yeah. Give us some feedback. We're always down to listen. If you would like to tell us about a case in Indiana that you um, think is important to cover or a missing person, unsolved, anything, feel free to email us at murdnerds at gmail.com or message us on one of our social media platforms. Um, and next week is Christmas. Yeah, so fuck you guys. We're not releasing an episode. <laughs> I have one ready to go if you want to record one. I'm not having Christmas next week, so that's oh, that's true. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. Well, next week is me, and uh, this is a miss. It's gonna be a missing person. So nice, yeah. And it, uh, it's the anniversary. I almost said, who is it? <laughs> the anniversary for the the case is. Uh, oh my God! What's today? The nineteenth. Today. It's today. The anniversary for that case is today. So okay, so I can't Google who went missing on December 9th in Indiana, nineteenth in Indiana. It's eighteenth, but oh, today's eighteenth. Yeah, I wrote the nineteenth on everything at work. Oh today. no, it's the eighteenth. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, we're gonna cover that case next week. And uh... yeah, sorry, I stole your ears for so long. Um, this was really a uh, trial and error for me. Is that right? Trial and error. Uh-huh. Guess, guess and check, uh, if, if I may. <laughs> and um, 
It's We're both take, learning. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Alicia is very, like, OCD and anal about things. Like, she's way better at this than me. I'm frazzled and scatterbrained. And you know what? But that's I how think, we work well. Yeah, and I think that people will like the... the Change of pace. Yeah, yeah. It'll be, you know, every other week. It's a shit show. And then every other week off of that, the offset ones will be good. <laughs> So you guys get a break every now and then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, we love everyone and we'll see you next week. Thanks for the continued support, guys. Have a great Christmas. Bye. Bye-bye.